Good evening, I'm Christina Young and you're back with me in Gloucester Book Club's Book Lounge and tonight I'm going to be reading you a Halloween story. So snuggle up and listen in. It's a story that I've chosen from a little book I was given which is called Spooky Ambiguous which is a collection of short stories and poetry all with spooky witchy kind of feel and it's published by Crump's Barn Studios, which is based in the Cotswolds in the UK. So, I hope you enjoy. The Strange Tale of the Hobnail Boots by Margaret Royal For Anna and Jack, the beamed cottage was love at first sight. They had long dreamed of living in an old property in a quaint English country village. Anna, in particular, was looking forward to bringing up their first child in rural surroundings. Admittedly, other prospective buyers might have shied away from it, since the cottage was dilapidated and in need of more than a little renovation. But they were young, had plenty of energy and were prepared to work on it themselves. They had a vision of cosy country life, the envy of their city-dwelling friends. What they had not bargained for was the baby from hell who never slept. William James arrived almost bang on the due date and weighed in at a healthy four kilos. Anna and Jack adored him despite his fretful crying. He simply hated to be left alone. Neighbours and friends were sympathetic and quick to issue plenty of advice on how best to calm the little chap. Sadly, nothing seemed to have an effect for very long, and midnight often found the frustrated couple taking turns to pace round the cottage with him in their arms, cuddling him close and humming soothing lullabies. Gone were the early nights cosying up in bed together and listening out for that one late pub lever who regularly limped past the cottage, dead on midnight in his hobnail boots. The irregular tap-tapping often broke the silence in the cottage. As ex-Londoners, they sometimes found this silence a little spooky. They were curious about the identity of the person who was limping so badly and how it was, was that he always passed their home, dead on the stroke of midnight. Here he comes again, bang on cue. Jack sat up in bed and tapped his watch. I wonder who he is hobbling home at this late hour. Guess he could be an ex-farm worker, maybe he got injured in farm machinery. They didn't dwell for long on the mystery, as there was much work to be done in the cottage to turn it into the home of their dreams. They were keen to recreate the glamorous interior design photos they admired in Country Homes magazines. However... Time and budget were both limited, so they agreed to put up with some of the cottage's less desirable features. The staircase was open plan with no handrail, the steps having been made from thick planks of pine, decidedly unsuitable for a young child learning to walk. Suspended on each side of these were huge empty cupboards, probably best described as attic spaces, only accessible from the landing although each had a curious, boarded-up window facing onto the staircase. Those will definitely have to go, said Anna, either get them knocked out 
or made into extra bedrooms once we can afford it. I really don't like them. They make me feel creepy. Anna pulled a face. What on earth were they used for, do you think? Jack shook his head, not sure. Maybe just storage? I must admit they are a bit weird. After all, you can't climb in there from the staircase. And the entrances on the landing are really just trapdoors. Let's ignore them for now. Once we sell the London flat, we'll have plenty of cash to get a builder in and convert them. Then your parents can come up and stay whenever they like. Jack grinned and jumped quickly out of the way as Anna swung the kitchen broom at him in playful annoyance. Why do you always bring, have to bring my parents into it? We couldn't have brought this cottage without them forking out some of their savings. Okay, okay, just couldn't resist the jibe. Jack raised his hands in apology and grabbed the broom from her. Anna found it difficult, adjusting to their new life. She'd given up a job in the city, which on the whole she enjoyed, and which afforded them a good standard of living. Then, of course, she was not used to being at home in the village all day with a young child. Motherhood suddenly felt like a daunting prospect, which would take some getting used to. The house move was necessary because of her pregnancy, which had come as a complete bolt out of the blue, although they had both been delighted at the news. Jack had immediately become focused on obtaining a better paid job in order to support his wife and baby. Since there was little prospect of furthering his career in the city, he had applied for jobs outside London. To his delight, he had been offered a senior position on a good salary in a small town in the East Midlands, one he couldn't really refuse. At first, their search for a new home had been disappointing and they had seen nothing which grabbed them. Then, on the final visit, they'd viewed a delightful old cottage advertised in the local paper as back on the market at a reduced price, in need of TLC, amazing bargain. How could they resist? Indeed, the cottage was exactly what they'd always dreamed of owning and a few months later the sale went through and they found themselves packing up the flat and moving north. One afternoon, when William was about two months old, and having a good day where he slept peacefully, Anna actually found herself with time on her hands. She settled down, feet up on the sofa, to read a favourite magazine. It wasn't long before she drifted off to sleep, awaking to the sound of children playing in the nearby playground, or at least that's what it sounded like. She could hear them laughing and shouting excitedly. She figured it must be playtime because after a few minutes the noise stopped. When Jack got home and asked about her day, she told him excitedly about it. Isn't it great having a primary school nearby so William won't have far to go? Jack was puzzled. There isn't a school nearby, he said, frowning. What do you mean, said Anna, why are you looking puzzled? Because they built a new school right over the other side of the village. I noticed it the other day, said Jack. Playground noise wouldn't carry across to here, even in a strong wind. You said it sounded like it was next door. Well, yes, it did. Maybe I was mistaken. I'd just woken up and I was a bit disorientated. Anna dismissed the episode as too trivial to get into a discussion about. So the matter was not mentioned again, even though Anna heard the same noises on an almost daily basis. She even opened the front door and looked around sometimes, but of course saw no children playing. The noise would always stop abruptly. 
Their months passed and Halloween was approaching. Jack and Anna loved all celebrations and Anna busied herself with plans for spooktacular decor. She kept herself well occupied and didn't notice the schoolyard sounds anymore. The approach of Halloween brought a frisson of anticipation in the cottage, that inimitable delight at the prospect of something special on the horizon. They found themselves telling William simplified fairy tales, making finger puppets resembling witches and wizards. William was taking a much greater interest in his surroundings now and chuckled with delight when they sang to him or made the puppets dance. He even began to sleep through some nights, which meant the couple had a little more time to themselves and felt less fatigued. At last they were able to experience the joyful side of parenthood and the more relaxed they became, the more contented William became too. One night, just before Halloween, however, William was teething and very unhappy. Anna and Jack tried everything to soothe him, but he just wouldn't settle. They decided to take him downstairs and put some music on, which had worked well previously. It was a cold night and the central heating had gone off. Jack lit the gas fire in the snug and wrapped the baby in an extra shawl. Just look at the crystal clear sky and stars. It's really cold outside, said Anna perching on the window seat and staring out into the dark night. Many of the neighbouring properties sported outdoor lighting. Some had hung out ghouls and witches on broomsticks. The atmosphere in the village oozed excitement. She started humming along with the soporific music playing on the iPad. William's eyelids gradually began to droop and a few minutes later he was off to sleep. It was then that something strange happened. Just as Jack was switching off the music, they heard outside the tap tapping of hobnail boots coming down the street. The sound increased as their owner approached the cottage. Listen, there he is again, the guy with the limp. Jack glanced at the illuminated hands of the clock. Bang on midnight. I'm going to find out who it is. Oh, please don't open the door, said Anna, grabbing his jumper sleeve. I don't want you waking Wills up again. But curiosity got the better of Jack and he pulled away from her. He walked determinedly to the front door and flung it open at exactly the moment the footsteps seemed to be drawing level. Immediately the sound stopped. Jack stepped out onto the pavement and looked up and down the street in complete disbelief. Nobody there. He ran to the corner and looked up and down the next street, fully expecting to see someone. Anna was frightened and tiptoed to the door. Please come back in, Jack. It's spooky. I don't know what's going on here. Let's lock up and get to bed. I'm freezing. Anna was uneasy. Maybe there's a ghost around here? It's making the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Why are we hearing things that aren't real? Jack shrugged his shoulders. I don't believe in ghosts, they don't exist. Although, I have to admit, it's all a bit weird, he said, trying to appear more convinced than he actually was. The following summer, the London flat was sold and the couple were in a position to get repairs done and an extension built. William was walking now and into everything, so getting the stairs changed and the hanging cupboards converted to extra bedrooms and an office was essential. The hobnail boots sound was still heard from time to time, but not so frequently. 
The strange episode before Halloween had certainly not been forgotten, but had been pushed to the back of their minds for the time being. The workmen were a cheerful bunch, most of them living in the locality. They were on the whole good company for Anna in the daytime, apart from occasionally having to be asked to turn the volume down on the radio or moderate their language in front of William. They set about tearing down the hanging cupboards, whistling as they worked. Anna was curious about local gossip, so one morning she decided to probe a little. Have you ever heard people talk of strange happenings in the cottage? Ghosts, perhaps? The foreman stared at her strangely. The other men shrugged their shoulders. They seemed to know nothing about the cottage's history. Later that day, as she was playing with William, she heard the men shouting in surprise. She ran upstairs to investigate what the fuss was about. Come and look at this. We found something holed up behind the fireplace in here, said the foreman. Looks like it's an old shoe or something. He held up an ancient piece of well-worn leather. The eyelet holes for laces had stood the test of time and were still in place. Look at the underside. The sole is studded with nails, he continued. Maybe a workman's boot? He handed it to Anna, who held it at arm's length. It looked distinctly like a workman's hobnail boot from a bygone age. She felt a cold shiver run down her spine and the blood drained from her head. Scared she might pass out, she thrust the object back into the foreman's hands. Put it in the dustbin and get that old fireplace boarded up, please, she said sharply and fled. As soon as Jack came in, Anna related the incident. Where did they find it? said Jack. In a recess behind a fireplace they uncovered in the biggest of the attic cupboards. It spooked me out. I told them to board it up. She shuddered at the memory of holding the boot in her hands. Thank God they disposed of it, she said, trying to keep calm. Nothing to upset yourself about then, it's gone, said Jack, not very sympathetically. I believe folk used to hide shoes behind cottage walls in the past to ward off evil spirits. Really? Anna was sceptical. I'm going to look that up. I'm sure there's something supernatural going on here. True to her word, she searched the internet and found the following information. In the 1800s and 1900s, people still profoundly believed in the dangers of evil spirits, demons, ghosts, elves, goblins, and witches were the most terrifying of all because they looked just like your friend or your neighbour. They might be living very close by and they would gain access to your house through an unguarded portal such as a chimney. People would put a stop to this by placing an old shoe in the void, the idea being that the shoe takes the form of its owner. It moulds itself to the wearer's shape and bears an impression of their foot. The witch would mistake it for their prey and attack the shoe instead. So an old shoe in a chimney was a decoy. Basically, a supernatural no-entry sign. There you are, she said defiantly. This is possibly one of the hobnail boots belonging to the ghost who walks past the cottage at midnight. Jack was by no means convinced. To be truthful, he thought his wife might be right, but he didn't really want to think about it. Let's just forget it, he said. We can hardly prove it, and you will only upset yourself over something which is pure speculation. Let's concentrate on getting the extension finished. So they dismissed it and threw themselves into the interior design of the new rooms. Strange to say, neither Jack or Anna 
ever really noticed that the midnight visits from the alleged ghost had abruptly ceased since the demolition of the strange hanging cupboards. Jack had to admit to himself, though, that there was sometimes a foul smell emanating from the landing area, a distasteful, musty odour, spraying with fresh air spray disguised it initially, but it always returned. In due course, the project was finished. The painting and decorating, curtain making and purchase of suitable artwork was accomplished and Halloween was approaching once more. William was two and a half now and a real chatterbox. He could understand the idea of Halloween much better and was very excited at the prospect of dressing up and pretending to be a wizard. And of course, there would be treats left by a kindly witch riding by on a broomstick. Halloween arrived, chilly but dry with all the promise of clear skies and a million stars overhead. The overexcited William would not go to sleep, calling out to his parents to ask if the witch had landed on her broomstick yet. On the dot of midnight, Anna and Jack heard him giggling and holding a toddler conversation with an imaginary friend in his bedroom, which was nothing unusual as he had a vivid imagination. Anna went to tuck him in and encourage him to go to sleep. When she opened the door, he came running over to her in great excitement. Mummy, mummy, look, picture! William was beaming. Who are you talking to, sweetheart? Friend. What friend, sweetheart? Gone now. Look, look, picture. William handed her a sheet of paper, bearing a faded sketch. Anna froze to the spot. It was the first time she had seen this drawing, but her attention was immediately drawn to the boots the wizard was wearing. They were exactly like the one found by the workman behind the fireplace. She spun round in alarm, fearful of seeing someone or something standing there, exactly that what or whom she was not sure. She tried to scream, but her throat tightened and no sound came out at all. When Jack came searching for her shortly afterwards, he found his wife slumped in the nursery armchair and William asleep with a smile on his face, clutching a dog-eared sheet of yellowing paper which showed a sketch of a wizard wearing hobnailed boots. That's the end of that spooky little story. Bit of a tricky one to know what happened there at the end. Gloucester Book Club will be back very soon with some more podcasts. We would really love it if you came and joined us then. Bye for now.